All right, Quack 12 fans. Man, it's getting late in the season. The games are getting scarier and scarier. It's like a video game, and this is this is a big, scary boss coming up. That is right, because the Oregon Ducks will take on the Utah Utes, the only other, uh, you know, Pac-12 team worth a damn, kind of looks like. Uh, and, and who knows? Who know, who knows if we're even worth a damn? If we're really going to look into it, but this is uh, this is a big, big conference matchup. Y'all know it is. Uh, it, it's scary. The stakes are high, and so we had to get someone who really knew what they were talking about. And so we searched far and wide, and we came across a wonderful Pac-12 podcast. Uh, a really, really good. And that is the No Truck Stops Pac-12 podcast. That is right. The one and only Bill Walton-inspired podcast. You know we love our Bill Walton, so we we were very excited to see all this. We've been listening to it for a while now. Uh, we knew we had to get someone on from this. Uh, it's really fun stuff that they do over there. And you know what? They got a resident Utah Utes fan, and uh, they really know their stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, Avery of No Truck Stops Podcast. How you doing, Avery? I'm good. I think really knows their stuff is a stretch for No Truck Stops Podcast, but I will <laughs> I will take it and pretend like I do. Yeah, there you go. Stuff. <laughs> I mean, stuff is vague. Yeah, I, I know a lot about Bill Walton and George Kleikoff, but... There you go. Football, my yeah. favorite Bill Walton. I've talked about this moment many a times. My favorite Bill Walton moment is when he gave the uh, uh, was it the, like the the Charles Darwin book uh, Origin of Species to uh, to Dave Pash on live television. That was such a strange, oh awkward so moment to watch. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. <laughs> I think in a Utah game once he he said they were talking about the Virgin River in Utah and he said, mm -hmm. "Oh, we love the virgins." That was <laughs> that's one I always think fondly of. And I you don't even know. It's like how in on it he is at times. It doesn't seem like he's playing up any part of his personality. Uh I don't know. It's it's wonderful. We love Bill Walton here and we're excited to have you on. Um let let us have it. What as a Utah fan, what are your thoughts on the Oregon Ducks? I'm sure there's been there's been a lot of painful memories attached to these games. There's probably, I mean, I know for a fact there's also been some uh, real joyous ass kicking of the Ducks over the years too. So, uh, what are your thought uh, thoughts on this kind of rivalry, if you can call it that? Yeah, I I'm weary about calling things rivalries because yeah. in our fan base, in Utah's fan base, we like to pretend that everything's a rivalry. I think it's like this insecurity with BYU um well <laughs> up until this point not being a power five team so we try to cling to anything there is mm -hmm. but I have a lot of terrible memories with Oregon <laughs> I have a lot of PTSD I'm not gonna lie um I still have not recovered from the 2019 conference championship game I don't mm -hmm. think I'll ever recover from that game is very traumatizing um Kayvon Thibodeau is, lives in my nightmares, but there's also, there's also, I, I blocked that game out to be fair. Like I really try not to think about it. And I think this weekend's going to open up a lot. Um, sadly, <laughs> See with that. but there's also been some good games. Like you can't forget 2015 when Travis mm -hmm. Wilson walked into Autzen and led the youths to a 62 to 20 victory over Oregon. That That's was right. <laughs> one of the greatest days of my life. <laughs> but there's also the Kaylin Clay drop, which was one of the worst days of my life. So yeah. I remember the Kaylin Clay drop specifically. It would have put Utah up 14 to start the game, but my obviously it got reversed and it called they ran it back for a touchdown. My dad broke our TV. So I didn't even get to finish that game. <laughs> it, so there's a lot of highs and lows between Oregon and I'm Utah. Sure. That's really interesting because we've uh, we've definitely retold that exact game on this podcast, and it's it's just the story that you just said, but uh, the not like sad version of it. It's funny yeah, to have good, the good memory, the, the complete opposite takes of it. Um, but no, you know we've definitely still always admired what Utah's done, especially just like it's just nice when a program's really able to just have like one coach for so long. Like Whittingham is just. You do. We do really respect the guy, you know, like he's doing. And you guys have been so competitive in the Pac-12 South. Um, yeah, like I, I do really like the this Utah program. And then obviously this season was kind of uh, almost two seasons, really. Uh, it was like once the rising happened, um, <laughs> Utah really kind of woke up. And what are your thoughts on how 2021 is going? 
Yeah, started out not so great. I I personally, we played We Were State, our first game of the season, a local FCS opponent. And even in that game, we won. It just felt wrong. Like something fell <laughs> off. And I, I have been on the Cameron Rising train since after the 2019 season, after Tyler Huntley left the program, like after he graduated. Um, so Cam Rising not being named starter, going for Charlie Brewer over Cam Rising was a loss for me. I really thought Cam Rising was the guy. And man, losing to BYU second week of the season, That's we right. haven't lost to them in 12 years, nine games in a row. There's a nine game winning streak. You know, this 10th win, if we would have won, it would have broken the record for the longest streak in our rivalry. Like losing that game was, oh my gosh, I don't want to say like I'm too mad about it because BYU sucks and I don't care, but like yeah. that sucks. That was a bummer. And then San Diego State and they're a good team. They're ranked. So is BYU. So the losses don't hurt as much as they could. San Diego State, like, man, it just was not the Utah team that I have watched. You know, we've had the same coach, Kyle Winningham. This is his 18th season. I might have, it might be his 17th, 18th season. It, it could be his 30th season for all. Because who really knows? <laughs> He's been here since the 90s, but he, our program is all about consistency. Like you expect the same thing. You get the same thing every year, a somewhat mobile quarterback, a really good running back. You're not going to pass the ball a lot and your defense is going to be great. So to start out the season with allowing BYU and San Diego state to get more than 200 yards on the ground, like that was mind blowing for me. Yeah, I've never experienced that. They're both G five teams. Like what in the world? But as soon as Cam Rising came in in the San Diego State game, it's like everything changed. The whole team, the whole dynamic, everyone got better. It's definitely been the tale of pre-Cam Rising and post-Cam Rising. And I'm very grateful to be in the post-Cam Rising era where somehow we have an offense that's better than our defense, which I don't think I've ever been able to see <laughs> in my history as a Utah fan. Like it's mind-blowing to say, Oh my gosh, our offense is better than our defense. We have to score a lot of points to win. <laughs> but it's it's been a lot of fun since uh Cam Rising started. He's he's a really great player. He's a ton of fun to watch. He's a mm -hmm. playmaker. And I'm so thankful he's our starting quarterback now. Yeah. Well, apparently they should have been paying you to be on this coaching staff because yeah. you could have told him from on. week one. Yeah. <laughs> It was a close, it was a really close quarterback battle. So I'm, I don't know how it was decided, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was a coin toss because <laughs> who knows? Well, there you, well, uh, as you know, we got our, our, uh, I guess you could say our, our co-host, our film reviewer, whatever you want to call him, Hithliday, our dear friend of the show. Um, he's been watching uh, a lot of Utah film lately and has a whole lot of Utah questions. And so we wanted to do a deep dive into this roster. So Hithliday, uh, start us off here. Uh, well, every, uh, this is year three for Andy Ludwig in his second stint uh, with Utah. That's as uh, long as I think any offensive coordinator has lasted for Kyle Whittingham. Um, and uh, as long as he lasted at Oregon, uh, for he was there mm -hmm. from 2002 to 2004. And uh, like one of the reasons that I know that psychic powers don't exist is that, you know, I was sitting there with 50,000 other fans and Otson mentally trying to fire him into the sun. <laughs> uh, and I don't think he levitated one inch. Um, uh, my understanding is that over the years in both stints of Andy Ludwig's time at Utah, the fan base has been kind of divided uh, on the guy. What are, are your thoughts about him as an offensive coordinator? Yeah, I definitely appreciate um, everything Andy Ludwig's done. You know, he was a big part of getting the Utes to the Sugar Bowl win over Alabama in 2008 um, that we hold very near and dear to our hearts. Mm. But I, yeah, Utah fans <sighs> are very mixed on Andy Ludwig. You know, when we have a good offensive game, he's a hero. When mm. we have a poor offensive game, he's the worst person ever and needs to be fired. I think that like goes for most coordinators. <laughs> yeah. Um, I definitely have been harder on Andy Ludwig. I've been very frustrated with the balance of our offense. I think, you know, his first season, he obviously was with us back in the 2000s, but his first season back with us was 2019 when we he had Tyler Huntley, who was the all Pac-12 first team quarterback that year. And then Zach Moss, who was the all Pac-12 first team running back. And I yeah. think Andy Ludwig got way too much credit for his offensive schemes having 100 percent agree with you it is a huge relief to hear you say that yeah i mean i think most utah fans 
would agree unless you're like a non-Utah fan trying to argue with them, then they'll like, <laughs> lock down. But I, I, I think Andy Ludwig is a fine coordinator. I, he does some things that bother me, like relying on the run a little bit too much. But I think that's maybe too just because it's Utah's thing. We love to run the damn ball. Um, but yeah, maybe I, he wouldn't be the offensive coordinator if he didn't do that. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not like adamantly cheering for him to get fired. Uh, I also don't think he's the greatest offensive coordinator of all time. Um, I think it's the Utah way to want a new offensive coordinator. So I'm <laughs> yeah. trying, like you said, we haven't had an offensive coordinator under Whittingham for more than three seasons. Like we've gone through so many of these guys. Um, so I'm trying not to be too harsh, but at the same time, like there are some things in his play calling. Um, I feel like it gets pretty vanilla at times that I just wonder like, why is this happening? <laughs> Can we do something else, please? But overall, like I would say it's a net positive how I feel. Then again, we're on a winning streak right now. Yeah, so right. like talk to me if we lose a game. <laughs> then yeah, I'll well, like, I mean, change my tune. We are in November, so yeah. Yeah. Um the, you know, it's interesting that you say vanilla because I've noticed the same thing, when, you know, when I was doing, you know, a little study on him, I actually went back and watched some of his Vanderbilt tape, too. And, and there's mm -hmm. this definite pattern where, like, the first drive or so, like, there's some interesting creative stuff, like there'll be sweeps and option, you know, plays and so forth. And then it really feels like the rest of the game is like he's got maybe six plays in his playbook. Do you have you felt that way, too? Yeah, uh, it feels really repetitive. And, you know, when he first started at Utah, I thought the vanilla play calling was because we were trying to keep our playbook closed until we played mm. teams like USC um, and Washington and ASU. But, like, it just didn't change. You know, he'll throw in some sweeps. He'll I, – I don't even know if we've – we've seen maybe, like, two trick plays this season. There was a flea flicker that was actually not even his call, Cam yeah. Rising – called the that's police right. maker. I, um, I've read that. That's there's right. that yeah. triple reverse against Oregon yeah, State. There's, it was, it, there's a few that reverses. Um, I don't know if you call could call Cam Rising punting an offensive trick play. <laughs> but he's not bad think, at it. No, he's not. He's fine. But it, it just has felt really vanilla, and it's getting to the point in the season where we can't give him the benefit of the doubt of him trying to keep his playbook yeah, right. closed because I'm like, are you going to keep it closed? Um, I really think it's Utah's fascination with being extremely in control of the game mm. and spicing up your play calling could put that in jeopardy. But my opinion on that is you can't be extremely in control of the game unless you have an elite defense. That's what allows you to, because you know, you can rely on your defense in case your offense isn't, you know, firing on all cylinders, but we don't have an elite defense right now. This is the first time in what four or five seasons at Utah that we haven't had one of the best defenses in the country. I think like statistically we're still in the top twenties, but it just, it's not the same, you know, Utah's got a top 15 or better defense most seasons. So I'm like, please do something on offense. So I don't have mm -hmm. to panic every time our defense is on the field. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about the defense in a little bit. Um, the, the thing that's interesting just to stay on Ludwig is that like, I think this season he's gotten even Ludwigier in that, like it's, it's either 12 or 13 personnel on every snap, you know, like occasionally he goes down to gasp only 11. Um, but like, you know, you know, we're seeing Keithy and Fotheringham and the the third one, who I don't think we'd seen much of before Dalton Kincaid, the, the San Diego transfer, mm -hmm. um, just, it's you know, a ton. And as sort of a result, it's been, you know, Britton Covey gets his, you know, obviously we've seen a little bit of uh, um, a Vele, number 17. Um, and then sort of the rest of the wide receiver room just you know, is not really part of this offense because the tight ends are on the field so much. Is that your perception as well? Yeah, definitely. Ton of 12 and 13 personnel. And I understand it because I genuinely think that Cole Fotheringham, Brant Keithy, and Dalton Kincaid are three of the, like, probably the best tight end trio in the country, I would say. There's not a lot of tight end trios. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> um, not that's a lot not of really teams to compete with there, but yeah. Yeah, um, but they, they're really good tight ends, and they do a lot in playmaking. Dalton Kincaid, I love him. He can stretch the field, like, what tight ends can do that in college football. Mm -hmm. And Brant Keithy is really good in the middle, and then Cole Fotheringham's, like, your typical tight end who's really great at run blocking and can just maul over people he gets like at least two pancakes every game. It's beautiful to watch. But I think, 
he's become too reliant on the tight ends. I love seeing them in the game. I'm like the person that has been wanting 13 personnel. <laughs> so mm. I'm like, Oh, I, I got my wish and I don't yeah. like it now, but it, <laughs> it does get vanilla. It, it does become very run heavy when you do that. And we do have some really good playmakers at receiver. You know, we have Theo Howard. I think people keep forgetting. We have Theo Howard. I, I, I know, keep forgetting. I, we have I Theo totally Howard. forgot about it too. I right. There's this one play where he gets a catch. I was just like, wait a minute, the dude from UCLA, this is where he landed. And like, yeah, no, yeah, I don't even uh, know if crazy. he ha has had a reception in the last few games. I know for sure. Not at Arizona. I'm trying to think back to St Stanford. We ran the ball every play. Yeah, so right, he definitely obviously. didn't get one. More like um, Theo Huward. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't uh, think it's because the wide receivers secretly suck. Like, no. I, it's sort of the nature of my question is like, I don't think that Jalen Dixon sucks. I don't think Solomon Nina sucks. I don't think that Theo Howard sucks. I don't think that Money Park sucks. I don't think that Connor O'Toole sucks. Although I think Connor O'Toole sort of technically a tight end or, you yeah, know, maybe. It's confusing. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like, it's not because I think the wide receiver core is, is bad. I think it's because it's, you know, Andy Ludwig's like, oh man, if I could, if I could try out six tight ends, I would, you know? Yeah, <laughs> he, he definitely would. I'm like, one of our, our fourth string, well, one of our tight end recruits that came in the season got a season ending injury before the season, mm -hmm. um, Vaha, Isaac mm -hmm. Vaha. But I think we would have seen four yeah. tight ends out there. But yeah, I think we have great receivers. And th when they're in there, they make plays. Like Money Parks has made plays. Devon Bailey, as we know, has made plays. Britton Covey's always going to get his, like you said. He has um, always made plays for He's like always made decades. plays. Decades. Yeah. Timeless. <laughs> since wit started here i swear yeah um, i was actually looking at like a uh you know 1910 utah team and i swore in this photo he's <laughs> just in the background i was like that's Bryn covey yeah and he has one more year of eligibility too. <laughs> of course like, he does he he's class of 2017 um that's amazing i mean 2015 excuse me yeah he's yeah. been here forever yeah, yeah. um but I, I like our I like our receivers a lot. Jalen Dixon's been really quiet this season, and I agree. I don't think it's because it's bad. Um, I think it's because Andy Ludwig likes the yep. tight ends there, and I think a little bit of it is there. They don't trust the pass. I think that's just a Utah, like a very Utah thing. Yeah, you know? that is. That was the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. Um, you know, I I like. I like Cameron Rising a lot. You know, I, statistically, you know, when I break down the pre and post, you know cam rising eras in 2021 like the 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 efficient the passing efficiency numbers like getting enough yardage given the down and distance to stay ahead of the sticks are about the same um but what really jumps is the explosive passing numbers um with rising and the thing that sort of strikes me is that he, he just he just seems like fearless to me like you know like uh, there are so many plays that i have on my tally sheet where he is about a split second away from taking a sack and he's still throwing the ball you know um and, and it seems like that's the thing that you know i wasn't really watching uh charlie brewer as i was saying before we started recording it you know I, I haven't had the time to do the film study on the first couple of games um but you know are you do you think that that is the the, the sort of nature of the change of the offense that that sort of fearless factor oh definitely cam rising does not want to take a sack ever um before the arizona game which uh i could talk about for a long time but mm -hmm. we hadn't had a sack in six quarters um i think and we were like this rate rating wise, we were like the second or third best pass pro team in the country because, and I think that's a lot of it's the O-line. We have like a lot of great veteran O-line players, but I think a lot of it's cam rising, you know, yeah. there's, a, right. there's, there's quarterback pressures. You can see him. He's mm -hmm. running around a lot. He throws better on the run, in my opinion, when he's being chased. I totally agree. Yeah. Right. Well, that's that was sort of the nature of my question. Is I, you know, you brought up that you thought maybe the staff doesn't trust the trust the pass, and and you know, frankly, I, Cam Rising is a very confusing quarterback to me because sometimes I see him like falling down, making a back foot throw that looks great. And other times I'll see him standing there in the pocket, no real pressure at all, and he'll make just like what was that, Cam? You yeah. Know? Yeah, that's what I was talking about with some of my friends at Ball Utah is we swear that he's better when he's in terrible situations. <laughs> like if he's comfortable, he's not going to make the throw, which is the weirdest thing. Like you could give him all the time in the pocket to complete a 10 yard pass and he'll miss it. But then you'll give him three seconds to complete a 30 yard pass and he'll nave nail vele on the sideline like it's it's insane it's so bizarre to watch um but 
you know, in the Arizona game, he had 30 attempts and he was averaging 10 yards per attempt. Yeah, I know. So I'm like, why aren't we throwing the ball? Let's go. (laughs) It's yeah, it's a situation where he's just got to get more pressure on him, I guess. Um, The. The the all the other thing about him is that I think you're totally right about the scrambling is like I and you know when I was writing about Utah in 2019, you know the the thing that I sort of kept coming back to you know part of it is my you know my disdain for Andy Ludwig as a play caller. I'm sorry I can't get over <laughs> it, um, but like I really felt like that offense neat. Well, I didn't think the offensive line in 2019 was very good. And I didn't think Andy Ludwig was very good. And I definitely didn't think Andy Ludwig's offense with an offensive line that can't execute Andy Ludwig's offense, you know, that was a recipe for disaster. But I thought that Utah was getting what they were getting in 2019, which is a whole lot, because Tyler Huntley was really good playing out of structure. And Zach Moss was really good playing out of structure. Uh, let me stop there. Do you endorse that theory? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you watch Tyler Huntley, that's that's Tyler Huntley's game. Tyler Huntley yeah. does not know how to slide. Tyler Huntley yeah. will dive. <laughs> Tyler Huntley will be on the Utah 45 and will dive. Not even close <laughs> to the first down. He he thrives like when the play call is out the window and it's time for Tyler Huntley to make a play. And this is the same thing for Zach Moss. He was just like a really intuitive player that, you know, maybe he was supposed to go one way the hole isn't there like it's supposed to be he'll figure it out and change directions and make it work like he he was amazing at that um and that's why i i really weary of giving andy ludwig too much credit because i feel like so many of our calls in 2019 especially like got blown up to the point where we ended up executing a play that was not supposed to happen I, I 100% agree with you there. So the interesting thing about watching them in 2021, or at least the back half in 2021, the, the, the film that I've gone through has been the Arizona State film through the present. Um, and the interesting thing to me is that I feel like I'm watching the 2019 offense all over again. Now, obviously, some of the pieces have changed, right? You know, it's a different quarterback. It's a different set of running backs. The offensive line has been largely reconstructed. Um some of the pieces are the same though, you know, Keithy and Fotheringham and uh, Covey and some of the other wide receivers. Um, the, but I feel like I'm watching the same sort of like, there's a lot of out of structure play, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, and in particular, what I've been seeing out of cam rising is like, this dude's rescuing plays that should have been dead, you know, a lot like this guy's keeping, you know, drives alive on third down because he's making them happen. And, you know, I, I have to say, I am very reminded of Tyler Huntley in that sense. Yeah. I mean, Tyler Huntley was clearly the more athletic quarterback in terms of run game. I don't think that's really a competition, but it's cam rising is shockingly fast. Yeah. Um, he's like a thick boy as Utah mm. fans like to call him. Um, <laughs> he, he's a big dude. Like he, he does not look like he should be as fast or be as like nimble as he is, but he definitely rescues plays. And I, I think like when you say, you know, we're watching, kind of a resurrection of 2019's offense i think it's andy ludwig's attempt at recreating that Mm. um which is one of my biggest gripes with him is because you know like a lot of you got a lot of similar pieces here but you also have a lot of different pieces so stop trying to pretend like you have zach moss and tyler huntley (laughs) Well, speaking of, uh, you know, one of the big changes is that rather than having one do it all running back, there's three running backs. Um, uh, As I charted, you know, I exclude garbage time, but I, you know, I have all of, of, uh, you know, Utah's games charted out and and, um, I get, uh, excluding their longest runs, I get 4.9 yards per carry for Bernard, 5.0 for Pledger and 5.2 for Thomas. Um, You know, basically the same, but I think the Thomas is a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that basically track with what you're, opinion is yeah definitely i think thomas excels in yards after contact mm-hmm. um he does that was the biggest thing watching the arizona game for me because he didn't play he sat that game for precaution um was watching tj pleasure who really had a great game he did great but i feel like some of those tackles that were made on pleasure thomas would have broken that's mm-hmm. kind of i think that's what sets him apart is he's he's big um we jokingly call him Derrick Henry. <laughs> he he breaks the tackles. He can truck over linebackers in the way that maybe Pledger and Mackay Bernard can't because they're a little bit smaller backs. Um, you know, Mackay's better in the pass catching area, um, just like a little bit more of a scat back. But 
Tavian Thomas, he's he's a talent. He watching him in the Stanford game was a gift. You know, he got four touchdowns in the first half and basically didn't play in the second half. It was insane to watch. Uh, yeah. What's everybody's uh, kicking Stanford's ass, but us. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Everybody, everybody has PTSD with Stanford except for Utah for some reason. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, what do you know what Thomas's stat Tavion Thomas's status is? Uh, as far as I'm aware, he should be playing. Um, if he sits, I'm not so sure. I don't know how much it's on injury. <laughs> mm. So yeah, we'll see. I he should I mean, be it's playing. It's the kind of it's the kind of you know Utah season isn't this game. You know, like they've still mm-hmm. got to beat Colorado, and then they're almost certainly going to be in the Pac-12 championship game. And they've got you know they all, they have obviously qualified for a bowl and maybe more. Um, the 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 so like you know given that they've got three running backs, I actually wouldn't be that surprised. And like I said, you know, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but uh, you know, Thomas maybe has a little bit of extra, but in terms of the yards per carry, like it's really not that significantly, you know, different. I think if Thomas were playing, given that he'd be one of three, he'd get maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 more yards. Uh, you know, I, I'd sort of, if I were Kyle Whittingham, I'd sort of perform a balancing analysis and say, like, if this guy's not 100%, it's not worth playing him, you know. Um, and I, I kind of wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Would he, or do you disagree? Do you think, like, no, this dude's vital. He's got to play. This is the biggest game. Uh, if I was an Oregon fan, I would be telling Kyle Whittingham to sit him, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think... You know, like statistically, like you said, his yards per carry aren't much higher. But I, the biggest thing in this game, Utah, Oregon, is the talent deficit. And you make up for talent by having explosive plays. Like you have to have that on your side. And Tavion Thomas is way more likely, in my opinion, to have an explosive play than our other backs. Hmm. So that's why I'm like, I, need him to play because i just think he's going to be able to close um utah's i mean open up utah's margin error against a more talented team like oregon just because he can make those more explosive plays that you might not see i mean i probably shouldn't say that because pledger had a 96 yard touchdown run the other day but like i i just think tavion thomas is more prone to making big plays uh let's talk about the offensive line um i feel like jim harding is another uh, utah coach where there's maybe a divide in the fan base about uh, what what utah fans think of the guy uh he's the offensive line coach for utah for a long time uh where what do you think about the guy i i like jim harding again i like jim harding sometimes i don't like him other times uh we had a really great offensive line in 2016 which was kind of his first year at the helm and i think he gets a lot of credit for that as he should but maybe he's rode that credit a little bit too long like you said 2019 our offensive line just wasn't great and you know what contributed a lot to the loss in the conference championship i'll say that not like we were going to stop cave on thibodeau but we probably would have had a better chance if our offensive line was better um to start the season i was very frustrated with our offensive line I was getting annoyed that teams like Weber State were getting pressure on us. Um, But I feel like it's really evolved. And I think a lot of that has to do with Cam Rising being way more mobile than Charlie Brewer. Like that takes off so much pressure off the offensive line, having a quarterback that will escape (laughs) the pocket, will escape pressure, or a quarterback that can make faster decisions. Um, and that's really helped them. But I also think they've just meshed as a unit better. Um, Nick Ford was playing center and he moved out to guard because of injuries. But I think it's been a really good move having him at guard. I think it's helped like the whole offensive line just work better. It's been interesting because, you know, at the end of the 2019 season, you know, I like a lot of people are, you know, I didn't really think too highly of the line and they were losing their, 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 they only lost one guy, you know, Darren Paolo, but he was probably the best guy in his left tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, but they have a longtime offensive line coach and they, you know, are returning all these other dudes plus like their sixth man and arguably their seventh man in, in Ola yeah. Um, 
And so I was like really surprised in 2020 when he blew up the line. It was like a, you know, totally different uh, line. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then he blew it up again, like in the second game. Um, <laughs> then he, he sort of stuck with the same line for, for the last four games of uh, the 2020 season, which was a senior wall at left tackle, Keaton Bills at left guard, Nick Ford at center, uh, Sarah Olomea at right guard and Jaron Kump, you know, at right tackle. And it was like, okay, fine. He settled into it like a stable line. And so then I'm watching Utah again in 2020. 2021 it's like oh no all those guys are out now you yeah. know or many of them are anyway um you know i think that some of it has to do with injuries but some of it is just like boy this guy keeps blowing up the line you know that's why i was asking about jim harding to start out with rather than individual players um because mm-hmm. i sort of feel like is this jim harding like experimenting and maybe kind of being out of his depth because i sort of agree with you like ever since gareth Bowles left for the nfl i I haven't really been impressed with any of utah's linemen and it's been yeah. a lot of them since what, what do you think yeah, that that makes me upset because I think Nick Ford is one of the best linemen in the country. I think he's Man. really great and has kind of been hidden under this not so great line play. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really versatile too. Like he plays center and guard. He can be kicked out to tackle. He's a little bit small, but like he'll play tackle and he will play tackle better than some of our tackles will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think that experimentation is one of the most frustrating things for me and a lot of Utah fans. That's not a position group you want to experiment with once you get into the season. Like what makes the O-line so good is chemistry. I feel like a lot of the times like they need to be comfortable playing with each other. They need to play as a unit. And when you're constantly messing with the lineup and moving guys around and subbing guys out, like obviously it's going to happen with injuries, but if you're just doing it because you think you're making improvements, like it could hurt more in the long run. So I think like the last couple games have been really great and we've settled into like the lineup we've had. Um, We've had injuries and illnesses, but like I just, that's my biggest gripe with him is I feel like he goes too far into the season making adjustments. I'm like, just, just pick one and stick with it. Like you have a better chance of succeeding if you just choose one. So I think, well, I think what I've been seeing in the last couple of games and what I would expect for the game on Saturday would be Oleseni at left tackle, Uh, I think Keaton Bills is back and he'll be playing left guard. I would probably stick with Nick Ford. Uh, I think he said that he was just playing. He he was just having cramps against Arizona and he'll be back. I think I would have him at center. Uh, Laumea at right guard is pretty much the only offensive lineman that I like for Utah. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I can't agree with you, but Nick Ford doesn't (laughs) grade out on my tally sheet very well. I'm sorry. Uh, And then Braden Daniels at at right tackle. I think that's what the lineup is going to be. Do you think I have that right? Yeah, I think you do. I mean, the thing with Nick Ford is he's been moved around positions yeah, because he sure has. they use him as a band-aid because he's like more solid, you know, mm-hmm. like he's not going to, he might not necessarily be the best, but he's solid and he's not going to ruin your game. Um, and I, that's really hurt how he looks on paper. And it's upsetting to watch because I, I do think he's one of our best linemen since Garrett Bowles. And I agree with you about Lamia. I think he's He's amazing. I think he's really good. He's it's been, kind of a shock when he when he debuted in 2020, wasn't it? Yeah, like it, it was because he's a freshman. Yeah, he, it was great. I I really love him, and it's nice to have some consistency there. The thing with Nick Ford, he had a hundred and five degree fever versus Stanford, hmm. um, and he played the whole game, and I think that carried over yeah. into the Arizona game and kind of affected him there. So from what I'm hearing he should be good to go by Saturday. And I think he and bills will be back. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing. It was, uh, Miley, the, who'd been coming in and playing center. Mm-hmm. It appears he's injured and probably going to be out for some time. Yeah. Um, but I think they're getting bills back. And I sort of think that's six of one, half a dozen to the other. You know what I mean? Like there's been a lot of reporting about injuries on Utah's offensive line, but I sort of think that it's going to be the same line that we've seen for the last you know, several weeks, you know, basically, and that Utah has gotten where they've gotten with essentially this line. And so I'm not really expecting any, you know, performance changes. Um, is that your expectation too? Yeah, I sure hope there's not any. Um, yeah. I have no idea what to expect, but I really yeah. hope there's not any. What have you thought about Oleseni and Daniels as tackles? Oleseni, Bam has really picked up his game. You know, when he came in as a transfer from uh, he was playing like semi pro ball in London or something. In like London, that. yeah, he was yeah, in right. London. And then he was at Garden City Community College and he was like a very high rated transfer. He was a four star, a high mm-hmm. four star um, when he came to Utah. And it's because he's got the size, like he's got the raw ability. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so it was a huge, exciting thing 
when he first came in. You know, he debuted versus Washington in 2019. He played right. a few snaps, did not it, look good at all. Not great. Yeah. It was rough. And then in 2020, it was rough again. And then this offseason, we're being told this guy is going to be a first or second round pick. And everyone's just like, what <laughs> are you talking about? I mean, I, if you have raw talent, the NFL will take a chance on you. But like in the first round, I don't know. Depends on the tackle class. But he's really improved vastly over the season. I think it's very clear from start to where we are now how much better he's gotten. Um, Simi Moa, who started at left tackle in 2019 and 2020, is no longer with the team. Mm -hmm. And he was the one that was kind of fighting with Bam for reps. And Bam's just taken over. And he's become, like, way more consistent. You know, there's still some issues with him and letting pressure and maybe not knowing the right blocking scheme. But he you can tell he's got he's got it figured out more he cares more and like when he's on he's on he is a big dude he can truck guys uh and then um jaron kump who that that was another surprise in 2020 because he's also i think he was a true freshman in 2020 mm -hmm. and and he had become the starter at right tackle it was sort of like an eye opener i think he is injured and has been out for the season is that right yeah he had a surgery um over the summer and uh. Hasn't been getting much, you know, hasn't really been a conversation yeah. piece. But yeah, he was a true freshman last year coming off of an LDS mission, too. So that was like a huge shock because we sure. weren't sure if you'd be in shape um, yeah. after returning. But yeah, his injury was kind of a bummer. Uh, Braden Daniels has been playing right tackle at least in the last several games. Um, I got to say, I, I mean, I've not been his biggest fan. I, I actually think his missed block in the USC game was what got Cam Rising injured last year. Um, what have you thought about his play at right tackle? Yeah, the thing about Braden Daniels is he's he's a guard. <laughs> yeah, I don't. He's definitely one of those where it's like, well, we just don't have anyone <laughs> to put at right tackle. Like, we don't want to put out a true freshman that's undersized at right tackle. Um, so he's kind of just been there. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I I hate to bring this up is I don't want to sound like I'm rooting for injuries or anything, uh, but it's just sort of like, hey, we're talking about Utah in November. I I kind of think that the you know with Miley injured. Um, and and Kump injured and, and Walla transferred out of the program and you're sort of crossing your fingers that that Bills is back and that Ford is, you know, 100%. I would kind of be worried that if, you know, one guy tweaks an ankle in this game that it's sort of like, I don't know who gets put in. What do you what do you think about the, the depth on the line right now? Yeah, definitely worried about the depth, um, especially against Oregon's pass rush. Mm. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, again, I'm I'm scared of him. I'm genuinely terrified. He's a um, nice. I've I've talked to him before. He's he's a genuinely nice human being. Yeah, he seems really <laughs> nice. I'm sure he's really great. It's the same thing with Chase Young. I got to meet Chase Young at the College oh, Football sure. Awards ceremony in 2019. Um, and he is the most terrifying person, but he's very nice. But like mm. you looking at him from a distance, you're like, please don't tackle me. Maybe it's because they get to let the aggression out and, you know, on the field. And so you're just a lot more zen. Like out of their system. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. System, you know? That's probably what it is. Cause I feel like, I feel like a lot of the D linemen I've met are just really chill guys. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I'm definitely worried about the depth. Yeah. Like right now, I don't even think I could tell you who's coming in like i'm looking at our roster right now i'm not yeah that, i mean that was gonna be the sure question that next. i asked is that who's the sixth man at this point I, like, I don't know the answer to that question um yeah I'm, I'm like trying to look right now i it might be um put a tight end in there yeah put, yeah they've got plenty <laughs> yeah put uh, they've got andy they've got andy ludwig's son plays tight end or fullback for him like I mean, I, of yeah, course, yeah. son. Yeah, well, I mean, there. of course, Andy Ludwig's son is a tight end. Like Andy Ludwig probably wouldn't <laughs> love him otherwise. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I have a soft spot for tight ends, so I'm on the same page with Andy Ludwig there. But I think it would oh, probably yeah. be Falcon Kamatule okay. coming in in the depth. I'm not a hundred percent sure though. It's a lot of freshmen, a lot yeah. of freshmen up next, and that's please, please, no one be injured. Please, five people be yeah, healthy we'll, we'll, we'll all be crossing our fingers for utah it, it, you know it, it, they've had so many heartbreaks in november this would be a really awful way to to go out i'm genuinely you know pulling for them but i agree I, I sort of you know the offensive line in particular looks like you know is getting pretty precarious here um let's switch over and talk about the defense um 
I feel like there's a couple of surprises here um, the, in the defensive front. Like um, I, uh, I wasn't expecting uh, Junior Tafuna to be the starting defensive tackle, you know, as a freshman, for example, were you? No, absolutely not. Um, I know Utah's not scared of playing freshmen on defense. We have a lot of talented guys, but I was not expecting to see Junior um, start out and have as good of a season as he's been having since he's been getting more playing time. Like I've been very impressed, and it's been nice because that's one area that was a huge concern coming out of last season, especially. You know, in mm-hmm. 2019, we had um, Lucky Fotu and John Penasini, who are both playing in the NFL right now. They they were great, and they destroyed guys. And so filling up filling their spots last year, it just felt like we could not get any pressure from the interior linemen. And then this year to start out the season, it was the same thing. So junior Tafuna has been a very nice uh, breath of fresh air (laughs) of getting pressure on the other team. And then next to him at tackle, I've been seeing uh, Houty Pututau, one of, I think, four Pututau brothers. Yeah, four four Pututaus. And uh, a little bit of, I think, his uh, his younger brother, Tennessee uh, Pudetau, um and Devin Kafusi, the transfer from the uh, from the other end of the valley. Um, and I think that's sort of been it uh, that I've seen for defensive tackles. Have I missed somebody? I think Xavier Carlton was actually getting some defensive tackle reps in the Arizona oh, really? game. Huh. Maybe I maybe I haven't rewatched that game and I was in Arizona. So your eyes can always deceive you when it's mm-hmm. noon and you're in a hundred. I guess I have been surprised. Like we <laughs> saw a lot of Van, Van Filger and Xavier Carlton were the two four stars who came in in the 2020 class. And we've yeah. obviously seen a lot of Van Van Filger. He's the, one of the starting defense events opposite Mika Tafua. Um, I don't think we've really seen much out of Xavier Carlton. And that's sort of been a surprise for me. He would have been like. You know, I would have been jumping for joy as a Utah fan to ha- to, to 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 really be breaking into the four stars here. What do you think's you know gone on there? Um, he has actually been getting more time. Um, he let me just pull up the stats so I don't misspeak because I know people will yell at me for no reason. <laughs> love to do that. Our fans are pretty chill. <laughs> yeah, he he definitely has fallen into the depth. You know, Van Fillinger's pretty much secured his place, but he's been getting reps and. The nice thing about him is his length. Like he can eat up offensive linemen um, just because of his size. So I think that when he's in opposite of Mika Tafua, it's really nice because, you know, Mika Tafua is kind of our guy right on the line. He's the playmaker defensive end. Um, He was there with Bradley and I back in the day. But uh, when I've noticed when X is in, he takes a lot of pressure off of Mika, which is nice just because of his length. But yeah, he hasn't been getting as much time as I thought he would. I actually thought he was going to be named starter um, opposite of Mika before the season, but I've been really pleased with Van Villinger this season. Um, I, I I have been too. I don't really have any criticisms for the defensive line at all, other than I haven't seen much in the way of rotation. It really feels like they're playing basically the same four guys on every snap. Um, do, you, do, do you disagree or is that change over the course of the year or what do you think? Yeah, definitely less substituting than in 2019. That was like mm-hmm. a big thing for us in 2019. And it's also you like know, a really strategic... felt like they had a, a real eight man rotation in 2019. Yeah. yeah, it was also like strategic with subbing. We always mm-hmm. sent our big boys out there to mess up the other team's um, play clock. But yeah, definitely. You're right. I just I think it's just unproven talent. You know, yeah. we have it's a very young defense. That's when I say Utah's offense is better than their defense, it's because of age. It's not because Utah's defense is tanking now. Like Utah's yeah. always going to have better talent on defense. That's how Utah is. That's how Kyle Whittingham is. It's it's age. You, ha- you have so many starters. I think there have been nine freshmen that have started at a defensive position this season. Like that's yeah, insane. It's- I mean, the, the, that 2019 group was was so sectional, and, and then I think it was like nine of their starters and several backups, you know, departed yep. after 2019. It's just like, you know, that that's what happened. And then you have the COVID year, and you know, everything's sort of screwy in 2020. And so, like, yeah, it, it's it's pretty natural that this would be a very young, you know, defense. It's just what's going to happen, just because you know the way that the the stars aligned, you know, to to so that there were so many seniors in 2019, and and well, that's what happens to senior. Um, let's talk about the linebackers. Um, I, you know, obviously we've been seeing De- uh, Devin Lloyd, um, for a long time now, Nephi Sewell of the famous Sewell clan. Um, I, uh, I think we've also seen, um, a little bit of, uh, um, Kareen Reed. Uh, uh, am I 
I think, you know, against Oregon State, when they would go their 12 personnel sets, I would see them switching into a 4-3. And I think it was Reed that I was seeing, but it might have been Maroney and I. Um, I like, I have a hard time telling the numbers apart. Like, Yeah, uh, it would have been, it's Karene Reed. Okay. He was the one getting the most snaps. Um, but it's basically a four two five on every snap, uh, unless I miss something. Do, have you seen them playing a four three in other circumstances? Um, they've they've switched between the four two five and the four three occasionally. Uh, I I definitely expected to see the four three more this season. Um, Ethan Calvert, the recruit we got out of mm-hmm. California. Um, he's injured, so he hasn't been playing. So I think that might have affected it. I think he would have been the third guy right there. But Karene Reed has been a delight. You know, he's a walk-on, and he's been kicking ass. At, can I swear? Sorry, I don't know. Only cool kids are allowed to listen. Please do, yeah. We, okay, we actually, like... especially because a lot of the um, quotes that have been coming from the Oregon football team and a lot of the memorable ones have actually been swearing. So we've actually encouraged guests okay, and cool. uh, anyone on the podcast swear. So please. Absolutely. I got called out for my excessive swearing <laughs> in one of our last episodes. I may have <laughs> been a little bit inebriated. Um, well, it's not excessive here. It's, you got to stick it to BYU somehow. So yeah, expected I, here. I am in Utah. So I'm like always yeah. aware of that. Is someone knocking on your door right now? Yeah, (laughs) someone's here to get mad at me. But yeah, back to the (laughs) linebackers. Um, Mostly 4-2-5 with Nephi Sewell and Devin Lloyd, like you said. I think they're an incredible pair together. Mm -hmm. Um, I, If I'm feeling extra delusional, I'll go ahead and say that Nephi Sewell is the best best of the Sewell brothers playing linebacker. (laughs) No, I I love the Sewells. I actually went to high school with nephi um oh, really? nice so i i love the sewell family they're really great um may or may not have cried when noah committed to oregon in rice Eccles stadium but that's yeah. uh, in the past anyways i think devin <laughs> lloyd and nephi sewell are really really amazing and i think a lot of people are shocked by how good nephi sewell has been he started out in nevada and transferred to utah um and he was a safety and he was a safety, yeah. And in high school, he was a running back. <laughs> so, yeah, he was a safety. We've, I feel like any of the Sewells could also be great running backs oh, if they yeah. really put their mind to it. Yeah, you know? well, Noah was my high school's quarterback my senior year. So, wow. <laughs> like, great. they can play any position. They're very talented. <laughs> like, put Panay in at running back. Um, anyways. Sure, I mean, yeah. Nevi's I- been a really great, like, pair, like partner to Devin Lloyd. I think a lot of people just assumed it's going to be all Devin Lloyd because he's one of the best linebackers in the country. You know, some people are saying he's going to be the first linebacker off the draft board. And I agree um, that he could be, but Nephi Sewell has like made noise, especially at the beginning of the UCLA game. Devin Lloyd was out because of targeting for the first half. Nephi Sewell like carried, and it was so great to see. It's so nice to see that it's not just Devin Lloyd. Like Nephi Sewell is right there too. I feel like I am seeing like structure. In 2019, one of the things that I remarked on in my my article previewing that game was that, you know, structurally, the what makes this defense go is that the linebacker, you know, in a 4-2, you've got, you know, two guys playing the the the, jo- the job of what is in most defenses a, a three-man job, mm-hmm. and that they make up for lacking a body with extreme aggression, that they immediately attack, you know, the gaps, um, you know that they're they're going to, and what's really impressive is the you know the speed and the aggression they hit those those gaps with. That's what I observed in 2019 when I turned on the 2021 uh, film. I felt like I was seeing structurally like basically the exact same thing, and in, in Devin Lloyd's case, the exact same person. Um, <laughs> do you do you agree with that assessment that we are basically seeing the same defensive like structure philosophy out of the linebackers as we were seeing in 2019? Yeah, I think it's similar. Um, Obviously, Devin Lloyd's the same guy. He was there. Um, Francis Bernard went to the NFL and Mm -hmm. Nephi Sewell uh, replaced him. I think Nephi and Francis are a little bit different players. Uh, Nephi's smaller. You know, he is a safety. He's I view him as sort of a hybrid between a safety and a linebacker. So I think that makes it even more impressive that he's able to effectively play in a 4-2-5 just because he doesn't have another backup there. But I think the reason like Utah allows their linebackers to just use aggression to kind of control the game is because they are very dependent on their defensive backs and they know Mm -hmm. they have their defensive backs to back them up. Like in 2019, 
all five guys I know it was in, incredible. were drafted or were ended up in the NFL, were signing the NFL is insane. It was wonderful to watch. And they're all playing like on Sundays right now. It's awesome. But this year, like I said, it's a youth thing. You know, a lot of the guys are younger. You have Vontae Davis, who's been in the program for a few years. You have Clark Phillips, who's our star um, mm-hmm. in the secondary, who's only a freshman. Well, he's a technically a second-year second freshman. Year freshman. He's a, COVID, yeah. it's a term he's, we had to invent this year. <laughs> yeah, he plays like he plays like he's a senior. He's really amazing. I agree. I really but, like Clark Phillips. Yeah. And the, but the rest of the the rest of them, they're they're still really talented players, but they're young and you can tell yeah. they're young because they make mistakes. And I think that's part of the reason our defense has struggled so much is because our linebackers have played very similarly where they just play super, super aggressive, but they don't have the same players yeah. or p- caliber of players in their secondary to back well, like, them up. Like you said, they're young. I mean, Vontae Davis obviously is a senior, but he's the one who's playing that's like that high safety role. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you don't you don't see him, you know, unless something goes terribly wrong, you generally don't see Vontae Davis very much, um, you know, on your screen. Um, I agree with you about Clark Phillips. I think he's a great um, cornerback. Uh, Nate Ritchie, he was a four star. He came in in the same class as Nate Ritchie um, and played in 2020. But I believe that Nate Ritchie is now off on an LDS mission. We're not going to see him until next year. Yep. Is that right um not until 2023 oh okay um the other uh and and then um i've been seeing um uh malone mataele um uh, play sort of the i think i would describe him as the either the nickel or the the boundary safety Mm -hmm. you know position and then um and then uh, the transfer from Washington, Brandon McKinney, number 28, I've been seeing him play, you know, the, the other sort of safety position. Um, And then, uh, then, then the sort of drama has been the other cornerback because it started out, I believe as uh, Travis Broughton. um, Mm -hmm. uh, But I think he got injured. And then we were seeing Fabian Marks, who was a, who was another 2020 um, guy. And he, but he uh, seemed like he got injured uh, in the first quarter of the Arizona game. And so they've been playing, um, Number 16, Zamaya Vaughn, uh, who is mm-hmm. a 2020 freshman and I believe a walk on. Correct me if I'm wrong about that. Um, and it, we had seen 16 throughout the year sort of in a backup role, but I, it looks like he's, you know, straight up the starter, you know, at this point due to some injuries. Um, and I feel like that's who Arizona was attacking. Um, it was like a big part of why that game was closer than anybody expected because they were hitting more explosive passes than Arizona has hit in its previous games and that Utah was giving up in its previous games. And I sort of think that that's the reason why. What do you think about that? Yeah, I definitely think that's part of the reason um, we struggled defending the pass. Um, Zamaya Fon, like you said, was a walk-on in 2020. Um, he played quarterback in high school in 2019. Really? Yeah. And I'm Utah, sorry, did you say quarterback or cornerback? Quarterback. Quarterback. Wow. <laughs> um, Utah, I, I've i been wanting to look up the stat for so long, and I need to just do it one day. Compile the number of quarterbacks utah has converted to defensive (laughs) players because it's like a legitimate stat like it's kind of insane how many guys (laughs) Um, nobody plays the position they played in high school like safeties become linebackers linebackers Mm -hmm. become dbs quarterbacks become anything else like yeah yeah Yeah, devin lloyd started as a safety and a receiver so (laughs) like we we will move your position but he's just young like he just is new to the position he's a young player like that's I can't even imagine like going from quarterback to defensive back and then now starting like a year later when like he didn't even get that many reps in 2020. Um, but like I think it's just youth. I, I don't think he's sure. a bad player. I think he has the length. I think he has the instinct. You know, I really trust uh, Sharif Shaw, our cornerbacks coach and. Morgan Scally, our safeties coach, like they know how to coach up defensive backs. Like I, I really trust in them, but it's just, he shouldn't be starting. Like it's because of injuries. It's, it's really too bad that he is on the field right now because yeah. I just don't think he's ready to. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest things in this upcoming matchup against Oregon that I'm a little bit frightened of. Well, I've seen, and then speaking just to, to finish up this is the last question I got for you. The, the other two guys that I've seen on the field in the defensive backfield are also, I believe, freshmen, number 13, Latu, and number mm-hmm. six, um, um, Bishop, yeah. um, who I, I, 
I believe Latsu was a 2020 recruit and mm-hmm. Bishop, I believe, is a true freshman. I was sort of like, is, yeah. I was surprised by like how much he was playing. Um, yeah, it's like, you know, every one of the guys that we've talked about, I believe, with the exception of Vontae Davis in the defensive backfield, I believe, are freshmen. And, and it's, I think you're right. I, I think it is about the youth. Um, is there anybody in the defensive backfield that I'm missing that, that I haven't mentioned yet? Um, oh, I don't think so. Tyrone smith he man he has a funny story he was a 2015 class of 2015 as well but he didn't do an lds mission the same way covey did he's Hmm. had so many medical red shirts he started as a receiver but he came in in the washington state game he was playing defensive back a little bit i don't know how much he's played since then um we had rj hubert who was supposed to be the safety starting next to Vontae davis but he got injured in our spring game sadly he's a He's, uh, I believe, a junior. I don't know with COVID. It's super confusing. Mm-hmm. It would have been nice to have that age back there, just so some ex- more experience. But I think we hit everyone. You know, Cole Bishop, who's a true freshman this season, he's incredible. He is very good. You know, he coaches have been describing him as a bigger Nate Ritchie, who, as you mentioned, was our one of our safeties last season who decided to go on a mission, but he was very talented. Cole Bishop has been very disruptive. Um, I would not be shocked to see him moving to linebacker. They love to move everyone to linebacker. That's an interesting proposition. I think you might be right about that. Yeah, he's he's very aggressive. He attacks the ball holder with <laughs> all tenacity <laughs> in the world. Um, I really like seeing him on the field. Kamoi Latu, um, who was start a freshman last year, he's a safety as well. He's very talented. Um, for him, it's just a youth thing. I feel like he hasn't got a handle on the defense, which makes sense. You know, you've only been in the program for a year. Like, it's hard to ask you to have a perfect handling on the defense. But then you compare him to Cole Bishop, who feels like at least, you know, in the last couple of games has been so disruptive. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see this week because – I don't think, um, I don't know your opinions on Anthony Brown. I don't think Anthony Brown's a good quarterback. <laughs> I think he's well We've had a in the lot bottom. of opinions. <laughs> yeah, I think he's well in the bottom half of the Pac-12, and I think Utah's <laughs> going to win this game by forcing him to throw, but it's, like, Ooh. scary to no, force him to throw against this <laughs> defensive <laughs> backfield. Like, I'm a little bit terrified, but at the same time, Anthony Brown's isn't good <laughs> i'm like i don't know I what's you. gonna happen here well we've we, and we've had so many freaking close games this season mm-hmm. um at, you know against like stanford who we lost against against yeah. uh arizona which uh, we know you did as well and mm-hmm. then against uh, ohio state in the horseshoe so for a victory so it, it's been so back and forth i'm expecting some uh pac-12 chaos in this one definitely yeah. and, and it it seems impossible for us to actually pull away to dominate against like anybody and mm-hmm. it, it seems like everyone's had a, a shot right at the end so yeah. I, I would not be surprised at all if utah came in here and like you know the, on the final drive has a chance to win it um yeah. that being said we're hoping for that big game Cristobal energy to that magic yeah, to happen this that's time, the thing is knows? we always we always talk about it on no truck stops is like mario Cristobal will do anything if it means it's going to be good for recruiting the man will yes. get up anything if you whisper in his ear mario if if this goes poorly recruiting is going to fail like the man <laughs> will destroy you and that i think that's what happened with washington state like i think washington state up until this Utah game is one of the best teams that Oregon has played and how I still don't understand like how this is the team that you guys win by multiple scores like Cal Mm. had a chance there like what is happening (laughs) in this conference but I yeah I don't know um it will be really interesting to see what happens this week I it's definitely a big one for recruiting which terrifies me I, I, I really want someone to tell um Mario Cristobal, that if he loses this game, it's good for recruiting. I'd really appreciate it. But yeah, well, we'll I hope y'all see. know. I know y'all know that actually losing this game somehow apparently helps you out to get to hey, a Rose Bowl. Y- you know what is... I think about that is I don't <laughs> think there's <laughs> I'm sorry. I have been a Pac-12 fan long enough that I know good things don't happen to us when it comes to football. And I just oh. don't see us getting a playoff team. I don't know if you guys yeah. beat us this week. I feel like it's a shoe in that you guys lose at home to Oregon <laughs> State. They're a great. They're a great team. I'm really high on Oregon State. But yeah, it's definitely going to be crazy on Saturday. And sadly, you guys have to play in one of the more 
if not the most difficult environments in the conference. That's right. Um, so we'll have to see how that goes. Well, um, once again, we've been talking to uh, Avery, Avery of uh, No Truck Stops podcast, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Avery, a.k.a. Uh, Thick Girl Grapes, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. at Brave underscore Grapes on Twitter. Uh, I assume there's a story there, but I, I almost like not knowing it more. I just think that's a fun name. Um, <laughs> is it your last name? I, I got to know. Is Grapes your oh, last name? No, Grapes absolutely isn't my last name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then I like that there's a mysterious story. And we would love, actually, to get this story the next time you come on the Quack 12 podcast. Uh, once again, everybody, um, for real, No Truck Stops Pod is a really good listen, especially because, you know, on the Quack 12 podcast, our official rule is we don't really care too much about duck basketball or Pac-12 basketball until the football season is over. And so uh, if you want to actually learn about what's going on in this uh, really wacky conference um, and what was one of the most fun Pac-12 seasons in uh, college basketball that we've had in possibly ever, I mean, just the uh, so much success, really fun stuff, uh, then you got to, again, Follow at Truck Stops Pod on Twitter and uh, subscribe to them. Uh, give them five stars and Apple Podcasts. Do all the good stuff. And uh, yeah, Avery, you've been a really excellent guest. We'd love to have you on again in the future. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delightful time. Oh, oh and, and we say this to everyone. If you do beat us, uh, we absolutely will give you a platform if you would like to come in on this podcast next week and just talk shit. And we'll just we'll just give you that platform, give you that little time to really, you know, just uh, uh, let out some demons. Oh, you might not want to offer that because I'll take <laughs> you up on it. Not one person has, so we really we would love it. We would love okay. it if you did. Not Plan a single on me person next has. Week. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and Hithliday, as always, nice talking to you, my friend. It's been great, Avery. It's been wonderful to meet you. I hope we get to do this again. All right, uh, back the pack. No truck stops. All right, baby, we'll see you this Saturday for some crazy Pac-12 shit. Uh, see you all next week.